Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. It is Friday, November 18th. I'm broadcasting live from the East Coast of the United States. Uh, thankfully, I'm not upstate in Buffalo, where it's, uh, I think they've already got 17 inches of snow and they're expecting possibly six feet. Down here on Long Island, it's chilly but beautiful. Uh, as some of you know, I'm a sales coach and trainer. I work with both individuals and organizations to help them get measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network as a place where salespeople can hang out, network with each other, get great coaching and advice, and to elevate the profession of sales. And as you know, every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, I either do a live training or I bring you someone who can add value to the profession of sales. And once again, my friends, today is no exception. It's my pleasure to introduce you to the founder and chairman of Sell Better, John Barrows. Good morning, John. Hey, Jeff. How's it going, man? I appreciate you having me on here. Oh, I'm very excited to be speaking with you, especially because when I was doing my research, I saw you have almost 400,000 followers on LinkedIn. Absolutely mm -hmm. astounding, my friend. A lot of people look for what you have to say every day, and I'm very interested in hearing it too. Uh, before, before we get started, John, could you, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, if you're watching us live, please say hello in the comments. If you're watching us live on Facebook, I got a message from StreamYard today that says, even if you've connected your Facebook account to StreamYard, something's wrong, you're going to have to reconnect it. But if you are watching live, say hello. And if you uh, have any questions for John during the uh, broadcast, please put them in the comments. And finally, if you're watching us on the replay, please put replay in the comments. So, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What, what got you up to this point? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, I'll try to make a long story short here. So I grew up in Boston, uh, East Coaster myself. I <clears throat> went down to school at University of Maryland, drank my way through four years of college down there. Uh, got my degree in marketing because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And then uh, stumbled into sales like most people because there was no degrees in sales back when I was taking uh, in, in college. Uh, so I started selling with DeWalt Power Tools, giving away free tools to construction workers, which was pretty neat. Uh, then uh, sold for cop, sold uh, for Xerox, uh, and that's really where I got my true sales education. Uh, I sold copiers to the government, so it, <laughs> it was about as uh, commoditized as you could possibly get from a sales standpoint. That's where I learned how to take rejection uh, and also the relationship sale, if you will. Uh, then a buddy of mine started a company and I joined him as the fifth employee uh, doing running sales and marketing. And we were a self-funded outsourced IT services firm focused on the SMB market. Uh, we I took every training. I was 23 years old, so I had no idea what I was doing. So I took sale. I took Sandler, Miller, Hyman, Taz, Spin, you name it, I was taking it. Uh, I came across this company called Basho, uh, which was a really cool uh, training company that I came across that I liked. Used it, helped grow, thrive up. We were the fastest growing company in Massachusetts for a few years in a row. Got us to about uh, 12 million in revenues, about 85 employees, and then sold off to Staples. Staples came and bought us. And I spent about a year going through that integration. Come to find out, apparently, I'm not a corporate guy. Uh, you'll find out I don't have much of a filter and I really don't like playing politics. So after a little while, Staples offered me another position and uh and they fired me and then uh and then i joined basho not because i wanted to be a trainer you know they, they actually asked john you want to come on board and i was like no like why not i'm like i don't, I don't like trainers and they're like why not and i said well because up until that point in my career the only type of sales trainers i'd ever come across were either failed sales professionals or professional presenters and you've all been there we've all been there before where you could tell somebody who's never really done it before or if they did it it was 20 30 years ago back in my day type of crap I didn't want to be that. And they said, don't worry, you have to use these techniques to sell so you can get paid. And um, I was like, all right, cool. Practice what you preach. So join them, took on some bigger accounts, brought on some bigger ones. And then to make a very long story short, uh, they screwed it all up and I took it over. So back in 2010, went off on my own. 
and uh, started traveling around the world, training some of the fastest growing companies in the world, like Salesforce, LinkedIn, Box, Dropbox, uh, Amazon, Google, and uh, and a ton of other SaaS in San Francisco. And uh, now we got 18 people uh, on the squad, and we got a great professional services team that does B2B selling, and then we have a huge membership side of the house well as well that we're putting out a ton of free content out for. So having some fun doing it. Awesomeness. Uh, good morning, Ray Aurora. Ray says hello to you, John. Hey, Ray. Uh, First of all, I love those yellow DeWalt tools. I still have oh, great. <laughs> they really are great. And there, there's little worse to me than sitting in an audience and listening to somebody expound for half an hour, an hour, when they clearly have not ever carried a bag. Right. I mean, I it's, sold Encyclopedia Britannica a million years ago, and I still sell today. You know, it, If you can't say, I can still go out and do what I'm teaching you how to do, you have no business teaching nope. others to do it. I actually, I, I'd make it really awkward because I still go through trainings, right? So I make it really awkward for the trainers because what I'll do is I'll wait, you know, I'll let them do their intro. And then if it's live, these which is rare these days, but if it's, I'll, I'll kind of raise my hand about five to 10 minutes in. I'll be like, hey, can I just ask a quick question before we get started here? Hey, could you give me an example of the last time you applied whatever you're about to talk to us and, and what was the result? And like, it is awkward because most of them will go, uh, and then they'll revert to, well, you know, um, you know, I, well, I work with my clients today. I go, no, 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 no. When was the last time you applied this? And by the way, you could tell me it was like, if you're a Sandler guy, like you look, I, you could tell me that you applied the upfront contract to somebody the other day and they threw you out of your office. Right. And it was a terrible disaster. As long as you could tell me you did it in the past six months, I'll listen to you. But if you, if, I mean, sales is changing so fast right now. The fundamentals are still there, obviously, but things are changing so fast right now that if you are not a practitioner, you are most likely talking about outdated stuff and that outdated stuff is not relevant today. So you are going to lose people. You are either going to give people the wrong advice or you're going to get called out for being somebody who doesn't really know what they're talking about. So speaking of changes, uh, you know, technology is uh, changing uh, incredibly rapidly and it's certainly mm -hmm. affecting our field. How is technology replacing maybe the majority of what sales, pips are, sales reps are doing right now? Yeah, I, I mean, it's literally, I'm watching it, right? I'm watching sales reps get replaced by technology. It's almost like we're back in the manufacturing age where all these, you know, reps are sitting on the assembly line, you know, making widgets. And they're like, you know, I'm the best widget maker on the planet. Like, this is the, oh, there's no way a machine can do widgets better than I can, right? And we're teaching the machines how to, like, it's these kids who are doing these cadences, right? Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to bang out these cadences and these templated crap. It's like, I just don't understand why reps are doing the stuff that technology is obviously able to do better than us um, like artificial intelligence back in 2017 um, when I started this training, uh, it was based off of this one email. It's called the Why You Why You Now email by Jeff Hoffman. And the whole idea of it was to go on somebody's website, do some research, find a trigger and be a, write a very personalized email to the C-suite and get referred down, right? And look, 15 years ago, if you did that, you were getting a 15 to 20 to 30% response rate on the one email. I mean, I got emails back from Mark Hurd, from Mark Benioff. I mean, bananas, right? Um, but Obviously, that doesn't work as well anymore. In 2017, uh, a few reps who, who I trained at Salesforce, they left Salesforce and they said, hey, John, we created this artificial intelligence bot that creates super highly personalized emails at a fraction of the time of sales reps. And it's based off of your email. We want to show it to you. And I was like, whatever. Sure, fine. Send me a sample of this thing, right? I'll, I'll look at it if you want me to. And what they sent me, I mean... I, I've been I would I've been doing this stuff for ten years up until that point. I, I don't think I could have written a better email than what they sent me. And I was like, uh, there was no human involvement in writing this email. And they said, no human involvement other than picking the article to use from our app. And oh, by the way, it took seventy seconds. And I was like, 
holy. And so that was 2017, by the way. Okay. I don't think we were ready for it. I don't think that, you know, there's, there's a lot about timing as far as when things hit market. Right. But now almost every tool that we're working with right now has an AI email generating tool that writes emails better than sales reps ever will. <clears throat> Sixth Sense, uh, you know, Crystal Nose, uh, Zoom Info, Lead IQ, the, all these different tools are literally coming up with things where if Jeff, all I got to do is point the tool at you and it's going to tell me, hey, here was his last tweet. Here's his last post on LinkedIn. Uh, here's what his company does. And they're going to mash that together in a one scroll email that's super relevant and super personalized. And then you wonder, you got all these SDRs, you got all these BDRs taking with marketing companies, taking marketing messaging, cramming it into a generic templated cadence, giving it to their sales reps and pressing play. I fundamentally don't understand why you would would spend money on a sales rep to do that. Why not get a marketing ops person, go to the boards with it, tweak it up a little bit and, you know, get rid of all your SDRs and BDRs for crying out loud. It's the same thing with demos. There's tools out there right now where I can actually go on and it's no longer avatars. It's actual people. I can go on a website and I can choose a white male, a black woman, an Asian man or whatever it is. And it's a person and I can take all of my content, type it in the background, and they can speak it in real world with tonality. And it's going to look like it's not even deep fake because it's not like you're taking my face and you're making me say something. You are taking an, a, a, a real person that is meant to do this and feeding it in the back. So if you think of artificial intelligence writing emails better than us, presentations being done by really smart people who can upload really good, thoughtful ways to present and all these other things. And you wonder, like, the question I guess you get, we have to ask ourselves right now, and it's a hard one to answer, is what can you do that a computer can't? Because if you can't answer that question, you better start wondering where your next job is going to come from. Um, because, and, and by the way, that question is getting harder and harder and harder to answer because there's, so it's, you, we gotta be the last mile that here's my whole thought process. And this is Gary Vaynerchuk. Actually, I, I met him at his 4d session where you go to his office and you sit down with 15 other entrepreneurs and you do a Q and a session with him and everything else. And I had just seen back in 2017, that email that freaked me out. And I was like, Gary, I'm like, where does that leave us as sales reps? Like, is, are we pretty much done? He goes, don't worry about that. You're never going to beat the technology, leverage the technology but be the last mile. And that is the mentality I have now. It's like, let technology do all the heavy lifting. Let it surface up all the insights. Let it bring up all the, all the information. Let it even write the email. But right before that email hits my inbox, humanize it. Because until computers buy from computers, look, when computers buy from computers, we're all kind of screwed, okay? But until that happens, as, as long as there is a human being on the other end of that phone or the other end of that email or whatever it is, we have a chance. You just gotta, you just gotta do the stuff that you know that the computer can't, which is empathy, which is curiosity, which is, you know, a little bit of the softer skill side of the house. Yeah, I was getting nervous until the end there. I thought you were saying we're all out of a, a job right now, and I've yeah. I've seen those talking heads, and it yeah. is brilliant. But but the one thing it can't do, it it can't have the conversation. It can present, but it can't have a conversation with a prospect. Yeah. And I think I think at least for the short time period in our future, we've still got a job if we're good at it. Yeah. Um, you talk a lot about, uh, when I'm talking to my clients, I talk about both the skills and also the mindset. And I know you're very big on mindset and values. What's the importance of knowing your why and, and having mm -hmm. core values in sales? 
I, I that has taken uh, such a higher level of importance for me, and I and I wish I had paid attention to it earlier in my career. I always kind of had values, right? I think my mom um, and my dad raised me right, um, but so many people are going through life right now, just going through the motions. You know what I mean? They're they're literally just doing what they're supposed to do, and they don't really understand why, which is why they're inherently frustrated with whatever their situation is or whatever their job is or wherever they are in their life. When you don't, you know, Simon Sinek, right? You know, know your why. Um, When you know your why as a person and as an individual, you can get through a lot, right? Because you understand why you're doing what you're doing. And if you're doing stuff that doesn't align with your why, you know it, but you've got to be clear on what that why is. And so I think as businesses, it's critical to know what your why is as an organization and have everybody else in the organization know what your why is. For instance, ours here at Sell Better is to elevate the people and profession of sales. Like we're trying to make sure that, because I always say when sales is done right, it's the greatest profession in the world. When done wrong, it's the worst. And so we're just trying to help people do it right because it's one of the best professions with financial, you know, financial stability, flexibility in your career, you know, call your own shots, work as hard as you want, whatever. So why is super critical and then values, values, values. I mean, I think if there's anything that I really hope comes out of COVID is that it, it gave us all a pause to kind of take a step back and really take a look at what's really important to us and, and recenter on those values. Because quick example here, values got us through COVID and, and got us to thrive through COVID. Um, example, when COVID hit, so one of our number one values at Sell Better is, is family. Right. And I don't mean family blood. I mean, family. And uh, and so when COVID hit, I mean, 90, I'm sure you're similar situation, like 90 percent of my revenue disappeared because we were all on site. Right. And so it was like, holy shit. And, And we went from trying to go from, you know, seven million or whatever we were trying to go for from a revenue number to realigning our priorities, understanding our values and be with family as number one. We dropped everybody that it became instead of, hey, we got to hit 7 million this year. It became, no, we got to make sure that everybody stays employed and everybody can feed their family through whatever nightmare this is because we don't know. So guess what? We Everybody dropped to a salary, like to a baseline salary. There's no commissions anymore. There was no anybody getting paid. I didn't take a salary for a couple of months to make sure that we paid the bills so that every single member of the company was able to pay their bills and feed their family through the chaos that was. And that helped us through. And, and, and it holds true through, I mean, the amount of stuff that people are going through right now, including myself, right? I mean, these have been the most tumultuous two years I've ever come across in, in business, in life, in, in general. And there isn't one person I know that hasn't had a major life thing happen to them in the ta- past two years. And I don't just mean COVID. I mean, death in the family, sickness, loss of job, whatever it is. And so for us, because family is number one, you know, when my chief growth officer, when his son all of a sudden was diagnosed with type one diabetes, guess what? Take as much time as you need to figure that out. We'll figure, we'll, you, you know, we, we pause everything. We don't need you for this right now. Go take care of your family. Come back when you're ready. When, you know, a couple other people on my team got divorced or are doing all these other things, like lost their this. It's like, okay, fine. Go take care of that because that's more important. Because if you aren't good from a family standpoint, then you're not going to be good from a work standpoint. And so I think that recentering on values allows us to make better decisions. Because now if I'm if I write down my values and I prioritize them and I know what they are, 
Well, now I can look for opportunities that align with those values. I can look for customers that align with those values, you know, companies to work for that align with those values. Because when you and I, Jeff, if you and I are aligned on core values, we can argue all day long, but we're going to come to a, a mutual agreement at the end of the day and a mutual a point of respect at least. But if you and I are not core values, if, if our core values are off, we're just going to argue with each other and it's going to get ugly and we're never going to agree. And that's kind of where I think we are as a society right now. Like it used to be, and I, and I want to get political, but it, it used to be, if you asked anybody what were American values, you got a pretty solid answer, whether you're on the right or the left or whatever it is, it was a pretty consistent answer with what American values look like. Now ask both sides, see what you get up with They are, They couldn't be more diverse. They couldn't be more different. So that's why we're just yelling at each other right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up politics because I was just about to say, I think, John, I think we need to get you in front of Congress to give this exact talk because sure. boy, oh boy, it ain't going well. And uh, Valerie Heffron says, good morning, gentlemen. My answer to what we can do, the computers can't care, build and maintain relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not yet. Well, it, real quick, the, the, but we have to be careful on relationships. Because relationships aren't have changed drastically about how we develop relationships, and computers can, computers can do them better than we do if we don't shift our mindset on relationships. Relationships isn't about going out to golf and 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 you know taking people out to dinner and stuff like that. Relationships is adding value. That's what it's about. I don't care how friendly you and I are, Jeff. Right now, if if I don't get value out of our relationship, then I'm not going to continue our relationship. And I mean that friends, family, and everything else. I have been very specific over the past couple of years of looking at people who bring value to me, and people who take value away or bring me energy versus take energy away from me. And if you take energy away from me right now, or you take value away from me right now, you are not part of my life. You are not. And I don't care if you're my cousin, friend, you know, childhood, whatever. Like, I, have, I want nothing to do with that right now. I want positivity. And I, and I want to make sure that every single conversation I and when I say value, I don't mean like money. You know what I mean? Like, am I enjoying the conversation? Like, I'm getting value out of this conversation, Jeff, because it's an it's a thoughtful, good conversation. We're bringing value to the audience, hopefully. Um, my friends, being around my friends and being in a positive environment and having fun talking about them, you know, like, like that's value to me. You know what I mean? So, but if you're always complaining and drama and, you know, you know, sucking every piece of life out of me, man, I want nothing to do with you. And that's the same thing with customers. If we think that it's just, hey, just, hey, Jeff, Tustin Bates checking in. How's the family? That type of thing. If you think that is relationship right now, yes, that's important. I should be asking Jeff about his family and those type of things. But if I don't add the layer of value, well, then guess what? A computer is going to know Jeff. A computer is going to analyze all his social channels. And a computer is going to start serving Jeff information and questions and things to think about that is going to be getting Jeff to think more and more about what he's doing right now. And maybe I should do this. And I, oh, crap. Uh, yeah. Hey, thanks, Sarah. You, 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 let's go out to grab lunch here. But I'm going to buy from this thing over here because that's what I've gotten value out of over the past six months. Yep. The computer's not only doing that, but it's telling me when I start talking about buying new furniture, suddenly ads are coming up for it. Right. Computers are doing everything. And uh, somebody's asking a question. I'm not sure who you are, Facebook user, but have you lost relationships be because of conflicting values? Yeah. So why you just answer the question? Okay. Yep. Hundred percent. If you like, and it's hard. Don't get me wrong. This isn't something easy to do. 
Uh, my daughter's actually, I'm, I'm going, you know, I wish my dad and my parents did this with me when I was a kid. I, I'm actually, my daughter's 12, right? And she's at that weird stage of girls and, oh God, you know what I mean? Like, and, and just the drama and everything else. And she's, you know, she, she comes home really upset sometimes because her friends, you know, said something or out, you know, whatever. And we've gone through the core value exercise where you take the 50 values, you boil it down to 20, you boil it down to five and you prioritize them. And I said, sweetheart, if you are, if you are, firm on these if if these are what you believe in as long as you stay true to these then you'll get through this it'll be hard it it, it it's not going to be easy but if you do something and somebody makes fun of you for it or whatever it is but you know you came from a, a place of your values then you'll you're gonna be okay and you can you can go to bed at night knowing that you're a good person and you don't do things to hurt other people and you're coming from a place of of of, of values but if you break those values, that's when you should start wondering and and in analyzing why I got treated the way I did because you went against your core values. Yeah, and I could not agree more about uh, cutting toxic people out of your life. I co-authored co a book called Leverage Your Laziness, and mm -hmm. in the book we call those people toxic vampires. Yep. And the best thing you can do is drive a stake through their heart and get them out of your life. Yep. There's, there's just no space for it. There's too much negativity in the world. Period. We're being bombarded with it constantly. I don't have any patience or time to waste with people who are going to suck the life out of me. Nope. I'm here to help others, and I need others who are going to support me too. I just don't have time for it. And speaking of time, um, you and I agree on, um, in, you know, in researching, you, know, you and I agree on a heck of a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, you and I both believe that time is priceless. Yeah. Uh, I say it's the one thing you can't get back. You can almost always regain your health, not always, but almost always. You can yep. always make more money, but you'll never get back your time. Do you have any uh, time management tips or hacks for increasing productivity? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot like the, I mean, I think time management boils. I've gone to the courses or read some of the books, whatever it's, you know, goal setting, prioritization and focus. Those those three things you've set good goals, you prioritize the goal and you focus. I think the one that I would recommend, though, is routine, routine, routine. Have a routine. Um, and I'll, let's go tactical here. Prospecting. Most people treat prospecting as an event. Right. They it's like, oh, my pipeline's empty. So I'm going to block off two hours on Thursday afternoon and I'm going to do some prospecting. And when I get to Thursday afternoon for those two hours, first of all, I don't really want to do it because prospecting kind of sucks. Uh, I, I usually don't have a really good approach to it. So I'm going to fumble around. I'm going to do a bunch of research pretending like I'm prospecting and I'll probably send out a couple of emails and it's not going to be worth my time and I won't do it again. Right. And and or I'm going to panic because my pipeline's empty and I'm going to send out a million emails and I'm going to get three or four responses and I'm going to abuse my database. So instead of that, it's like um, it's like working out. OK, it's the reason I suck at working out. The reason I suck at working out is because I'm an event driven worker outer. Right. I mean, we were on a little we did a Virgin Voyages cruise a few weeks back, right? Like about a month ago. Right. So what was I doing before I was on that cruise? Right. I'm at the gym. I'm eating good. I'm you know, I'm like I'm getting all ripped up because I want to look out, you know, good on the on the pool deck, that type of thing. As soon as we get back, oh, Oktoberfest, beer, pizza, oh, thank God for football. Right. So and then, you know, guess what? Summer's we're going to go to Mexico, you know, in December with my mom. Right. So what, all right. Got to get back on. You know, make sure. I know that if I just wake up every day and do a few push-ups, few sit-ups and hit the Peloton for like 15, 20 minutes, right? I'll maintain and I'll actually be in really, really good shape. But I'm an event-driven worker out of it.
That's the same thing with prospecting. I, I, I prospect because I don't have pipeline, right? So then all of a sudden I get a bunch of deals and you know I get a bunch of conversations. So I focus more of my efforts on meeting those clients and developing that relationship, right? So I do less prospecting and then I get close, right? So I got to focus on closing those deals and I'm definitely not doing prospecting. Then I close all my opportunities and holy shit, holy shit, I got to prospect again. And it's this, this cycle. Whereas if you just wake up every morning and instead of checking your fantasy leagues or, you know, reading the morning paper and getting all pissed off about that type of stuff, spend a half an hour picking an account, doing a little bit of research, coming up with a five to 10, you know, personalized cadence to and firing off an email and scheduling the rest of the activities and do that every single day. That's what I do. Every single day I pick 30 minutes and I, even as the CEO of my own little company, you said you still sell. So do I, I, I still prospect every day, half an hour. I've just changed my routine. And what I'm telling people is don't, don't add something to your routine. Replace something in your routine. Because I guarantee all of us have some type of morning routine or afternoon routine or lunchtime routine, whatever it is. So that if you can stay consistent with it, you'll you'll help from a time management standpoint. Yeah, that, that's the key word right there. It's got to be consistency. Uh, one of the things I do with coaching clients, because... Yeah, I find that most people come with the same issues and it almost always boils down to, I'm simply not seeing enough prospects. Right. Not closing enough, you're not seeing enough prospects. Can, yep. can I help to make you better close? Can somebody like yourself or myself help help you sell better and be, be a better closer? Absolutely, but not if you're not talking to enough people. And the worst time to prospect, the very worst time, is when you are absolutely out of, out of sales. That, you got nothing, I, oh no, my pipeline's empty, got a prospect. Well, now you're working under intense pressure. And, and that's what causes uh, what I call the ups and downs of selling. You know, good month, bad month, good quarter, bad quarter, good year, bad year. Inevitably, when, I, when somebody comes to me and says, Jeff, you know, I was doing really well. And then, you know, six months ago, things died. Let's take a look at your calendar for eight months ago. Because yep. the one thing I never, ever see on any salesperson's calendar is prospecting time. And yep. when it comes to time management, the one thing I teach is what I call calendarization, which means yep. everything goes on your calendar everything. and the right amount of time has to be assigned to it. But, Yep. I never see prospecting time, which to me is the most important thing you can do every single day. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, literally, I tell people the exact same thing. I go, look, I train negotiations. I train, you know, closing skills, all that stuff. But there's one solution to all of it. And it's a big fat pipeline. You have a big fat pipeline. You put yourself in a position where you want the business. You don't need the business. And when you want the business, you sell the right way. When you need the business, you do some shady shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like if I need the business, I, I you know, I give you that massive discount just to get you. I go over your head because I'm not at power. Like, ah, when I want the business, I don't care when you close. I, you want to close the end of this month? Cool. Is that is that good for you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, talk to I don't need to talk to your boss. Like, if, if you want me to, I'll talk to your boss. But like, I, I don't need to because I, I know that I have a solution here that'll solve your problem. But I don't need your business. It's the best. So it's the, it's that's why I think prospecting is is one of the most important prospecting and questioning skills are the two skills that I think sales reps need to get exponentially better at. Uh, negotiations, whatever, you know, like closing, eh, whatever. No, I'm with you. Right? Questioning skills and listening skills. Yep. Uh, two things that most salespeople suck at. And if you're not, I, I was talking to a coaching client yesterday. I was giving them an example of this exact thing. How mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, Somebody had been referred to me recently. Uh, he wanted coaching for his employee, his salesperson. Mm -hmm. We had a lovely conversation and uh, he said, okay, I'm going to take a day or two to think about this. And I'm like, not a problem. Get, yeah. Get, I actually said, 
I don't chase after coaching clients, you know, training clients and consulting clients. I'll follow up. But just to let you know, I don't have the time to follow up with this. So if you're ever interested, I'd love to work with you. Just let me know. Call me the next day. Yeah. I'm, I'm walking through the grocery store and you know, talking to him on my phone. Jeff, I really like everything you told me. I want to get this started. There's just one thing we need to talk about. I'm like, oh, what's that? He said, uh, what do you think it was? Price. Of course. Uh, yeah. The cost. Now, the service I was offering was is $1,000 a month. He goes, uh, he goes, it's the price, you know, uh, we need to talk about that. I said, oh, well, what would you like to talk about? He said, well, uh, can you do it for 800? I said, well, I could, but I got to tell you, I won't. Right. And he was flabbergasted. What do you mean? I said, I, I don't discount. I give you my very best price right from the get go because A, I'm a professional negotiator. I teach people how to negotiate. Do you think you're going to out negotiate me? I don't want you feeling bad thinking that. B, if I give you a discount, how are you going to feel about maybe you find somebody else who negotiated better than you did and got a better discount than you? Or and even C, if I haven't shown you enough value, I, I shouldn't be teaching your person. So respectfully, I won't drop my price. And he said, OK, then I guess we're not going to do business. I said, OK, before we get off, I'm just going to leave you with one thing. I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation with people and I've run into them later on at an event, on an airplane or something like that. And they said to me, hey, Jeff, you know what? I actually had changed my mind, but I was embarrassed to call you. And I want you to know, don't ever be embarrassed. Please mm -hmm. call me anytime. I'd welcome the chance to work with you, but it's $1,000 a month. And I wouldn't bet my firstborn child, but I would bet pretty big money that within a week or two, I'm going to hear from this. Guy. Yeah. That's and that that's one of my favorites is negotiating with negotiating training. I because I have the same philosophy <laughs> with you. I love this. It's actually you'll this is my favorite part of what I do is when I get into this scenario, is is when I a VP of sales, we talk about it and everything's great. And then they flip me over to procurement or even better, a CFO, right? And the CFO with no context, they haven't been involved. And shame on me if I haven't have them gotten them involved yet. But um, you know, they get on the phone, they're like, all right, John, so yeah, you know, Bill told me about this, really looking forward to this. So what what kind of wiggle room do we have here? And I'm like, none. And they're like, well, oh, come on, man. There's always a little wiggle room or whatever. I go, no, there's none. And they're like, oh, man. And I go, can I? And they kind of start to haggle. And I go, can I, can I ask you something? Do you know what you're buying from me? And they're like, well, sales training. I go, yeah. Do you know what kind of sales training you're buying from me? Uh, yeah, I think negotiation training. Exactly. I go, so let me ask you, if I gave you a discount right now, why would you hire me? Because, okay, fine, why don't we do this? And I'm just, sometimes I'm a total jackass. Sometimes I'll be like, okay, fine, here's the deal. I'll give it to you for 50% off. 50% off, right? And, and But but you're not, I'm, I'm not going to show up on site. Uh, it, I'm not going to do any prep. Um, I'll just show up on a little Zoom session and I'll go like this. All right, everybody, take all your deals that are in your pipeline right now, cut them in half by 50%, make it rain. Good luck. Thank you very much. And I usually get, man, you're an asshole. I'm like, yeah, I know, but aren't you too? And because aren't you the re aren't you the person that is beating up your exact sales reps for this reason? I'm like, and I asked the CFO, I'm like, did you make up your pricing? Because I didn't. You know what I mean? There's there's R and D in there. There's profitability in there. There's comp plans in there. There's all that stuff. So did you ask? Did you did you make up your price? Do you allow your sales reps to give fifty percent off or twenty percent off or thirty percent off? And I usually get a very man. All right, you better be good. I'm like, <laughs> and I and I tell them, I go, look, don't don't. Don't tell me that I'm too expensive. Tell me you don't believe that I can do what I can do. Because if you've done the good enough job as a sales professional, it shouldn't be you're too expensive. It, it's something about it that they don't believe in the true ROI that you're talking to them about. Because anybody would spend $10,000 to get a million dollars. Anybody would spend $10,000 to get $100,000. 
You've just haven't showed me that what you're proposing to me is going to get me that multiplier in my head that I'm looking for. That's what I tell people all the time. I'm like, don't tell me I'm too expensive. Tell me you don't believe that you're going to get the ROI out of what I'm telling you is. And then we can have that conversation. Yeah. And, and it's too expensive is different than I don't have the money. I respect when somebody says, I'd love to work with you. I just can't afford it. I got totally. it. Call totally. me anytime. But anytime. it's too expensive. You're too expensive. Well, to, to me, that says I need to raise my hand and take the file because I didn't show you enough value because now you think it's too expensive. Well, here's, it, here's it, one for the audience, uh, you know, a little nugget for the audience. Ask the question compared to what? You're, John, you're too expensive. Compared to what? Compared to my direct competitors? Compared to missing your number? Compared to uh, doing nothing? Uh, help me understand. Uh, too expensive is a very relative term here, right? And, and by the way, there's some data on that one. Uh, the, the number one objection handling technique for anybody out there is to ask a question. Like Gong has this data that talks about how the best sales reps answer an objection 54% of the time with a question. Average reps answer it 31% of the time with a question. So as a default to an objection, ask a question. What do you mean by that? Tell me more. Yeah. Give me an example of. Help me understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm huge on questioning. It's one more thing that uh, you and I completely agree on. I think it's all about the questions. And uh, when somebody says something like the vast majority of my business is people calling me, you know, yep. I, I I want people to raise their hand. So my question is simply, I'm just curious, what made you call me in the first place? Yep. You know, if I'm too expensive, what made you call me? Well, right. my people don't see, see enough prospects and they're not closing enough deals and the sales cycle is too long. So you're telling me that in this particular case, $200 is going to stop you from doing that? I actually said to this guy yesterday, because I can be a prick like you. I said, yep. hey, you know what? I get it. You're asked. I would ask too. I have no problem with you asking me if I can do better. But what you're saying is I'm walking into a Mercedes dealership and say, hey, that $90,000 Mercedes, I want it for $45,000. Right. They don't do that. They don't do that. That's why Mercedes, like, or I think it's BMW, they say, you know, well, why, you know, why are you, why don't you discount? Because we're BMW. Like, that's literally their answer to it. Or like my, one of my favorites of all time is uh, a Red Bull example, like the, the CEO of Red Bull when he was asked early days when Red Bull first came out, there he was an interview and the, and the interview was like, why is Red Bull so expensive? Like it, it's like you, you sell it for $2.50 and it's actually less liquid than a Coke is and a Coke sells for 50 cents. So why is it? So, and then the, the person was thinking about like, oh, is it more, you know, is there different ingredients in there and is it more expensive to make it and whatever it is. And the CEO literally looked at her and he, and he said, how else would you know it was a premium product? Yeah. I, and that's what... Like when somebody asked me one time, John, you know, you're twice as expensive as so-and-so. I said, yeah, I know. And they're like, well, wh why? I go, because I'm twice as good. I, I go, literally, I, I actually, I'm more than twice as good as that person. So I'm actually giving you a discount based on that theory. Um, <laughs> so Look, there's a reason for a premium price. And the perfect example is I, I, I shot a bunch of sales training videos, which I'm going to probably in Q1 of this coming year. Uh, open up to the public. And I went into a studio and I actually went to a stylist to address me because I, uh, you know, just like if you didn't, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, if yeah. I didn't have bad taste, I'd have no taste at all. Yeah. But she taught me there's a difference between an $80 t-shirt and a $20 t-shirt from the gap. And yeah. I got to tell you, I feel better and I look better in these t-shirts. Do I like spending 60 more dollars? I prefer to spend 20, but I also like looking and feeling better. And it's the same thing with sales training and cars and everything else. Mm -hmm. Get better at showing your, your prospect the value of what you have to offer so mm -hmm. that they stop fighting you on the price. And will there be some people who are going to ask? I'm surprised if somebody doesn't ask. 
I'm surprised when somebody does not tell me they're too busy, they're not interested or any of those things. We should be anticipating that stuff. But if you can't justify the value of what you bring to the table, no matter what your product or service, then what are you doing in sales? And this is why I think companies do a disservice to their sales reps, because they don't really help them understand where the pricing came from, what the true value is of their solutions, which is why the easiest way to do this, if you don't have an organization that's going to support you with this, is go look at your case studies, go read your case studies, everything in there, and and, and go talk to existing customers, even if you're not supposed to, even if you're not in customer success. What customer is going to say no to a sales rep reaching out like an existing customer and calling up and saying, hey, I know you've been working with us for a while now. I'm pretty new here at the organization. Would you mind if I grab just 30 minutes of your time so I can understand like how you use our product, what the real difference is and those type of things like that's the type of stuff that gets you the belief. Like when we as far as onboarding is concerned here at Sellbetter, we you don't you don't get product knowledge or, or training knowledge. I don't I don't have you memorize the slide deck the first month of, of you being here. The first month has nothing to do with training. It has everything to do with interviewing every single person at my company to ask them like, why did they choose to work here? Why do they still work here? What are they, you know, what, what, what drives you to get up every day and work for this company, right? So they get that internal belief of, oh man, and they get to know all the other employees. Then they have to go meet with 10 customers and they have to talk to them about what, you know, why do you decide to work with, you know, sell better? Why? And, and I actually give them customers that don't work with us anymore. And I, and I have them ask, why aren't you working with us anymore? And all those conversations now, all of a sudden, when they're on a call with a client, when they're prospecting, all, all those stories come up. You know what I mean? And it's no longer a pitch about, hey, our training does blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know what? I was just talking to somebody the other day that told me the same thing that you just said from a challenge standpoint. And before, you know, working with us, they were in these type of scenarios. And after they did our training, they took it and they did this and they saw these type of results. And it was awesome. Is that worth having a deeper dive? I mean, that is such a more healthy conversation than um, let me ask you a bunch of bant questions or check off my medic boxes and then give you my canned presentation that I got badged for in boot camp because I got to make sure that I check every slide and make sure I get you my background and our history and our client list and why we're so great and then go through every nuance of our solution that no none of you care about and then end with you know is there anything else i can help you with see you later and then touch base and check in with you 75 times after that like give me a break yeah absolutely uh, i i was very fortunate uh shortly after uh, uh i got started in this business i ran into a marketing guy who said you know the best source of intelligence is from the people who are buying from you let mm -hmm. me go out and interview them. And he actually, he went and videotaped my customers and just asked them, why do you do business with Jeff? And I've got a bunch of those videos on my website. You yep. know, when I tell you why you should do business with me, well, why should, should you believe me? I'm a salesperson. So of course I'm going to lie to you. Of course I'm not, but that's what most people think. But yep. taking the words right from your customers. I mean, they, and by the way, I also find that quite often what they say is surprising. I had something uh, happen a short while back. Uh, I had completed a consulting engagement for a year, over a year and a half. And I interviewed, you know, all the people, what'd you like? What didn't you like? What could have gone better? What, you know, all that stuff. And the interesting thing to me that I had never thought of before was um, all the sales managers said the same, agreed on one thing that the, one of the things they liked best about working with me was that their salespeople now had more confidence. And it never occurred to me that what I do is give pizza. I give them tips and tools and techniques yep. and but I never thought I make them more confident. And of course, now I'm able to take that and tell other yep. people, well, you know, what my customers tell me is one of the things they like that. Exactly. So Confidence. you got to be doing that stuff. Yep. Uh, you, you mentioned cold calling before, and I still believe it's one of the most cost effective and time efficient way to fill up your pipeline if you know how to do it well and do it yep. consistently. 
any tips on cold calling today? Uh, yeah, um, have a reason. Um, every time, here's an like, first of all, if, if there's nothing anybody does different coming out of this conversation is please never say the words touch and base and checking in ever again. Um, they're the two most meaningless phrases in sales. It means there's no reason for your call. So therefore, there's no reason for me to talk to you. So um, start every conversation off with this phrase. The reason for my call is because if you cannot finish that sentence, you should not be making the phone call. And you don't have to be as robotic as the reason for my call. You could just say, hey, I'm calling because or what? whatever, but you have to fill in that blank and it better be something better than want to sell you something. Right. And you can do it in one of two ways. You could do a personalized approach or more a persona driven approach, personalized or relevance. Cause look, the Holy grail of prospecting. Okay. The Holy grail of prospecting is personalization and relevance. If you can be personalized and relevant, you usually kind of rise above, but if you were to force me to choose between personalization or relevance, I'm going relevance all day long. Just because you know I went to University of Maryland does not buy you any points these days yet, right? But I still get emails from reps students say, Jonas, you went to U Maryland, go Terps, and then it hard cuts to some piece of crap value proposition that I would care less about, right? So, so first of all, have a reason. Um, and, and have it either be, hey, because, hey, Jeff, I was on your website and I saw you guys are doing some really cool stuff. I thought it'd be worth a conversation because our solution aligns with that. Or, hey, Jeff, we're working with other CEOs like you in the industry and, and we're, they're, show, they're telling us the top three priorities are X, Y, and Z and we show them how to solution that. You know, can't, boom. So you got to be at least relevant. You can't give your generic elevator pitch anymore. Um, so here's another thing. You can work on this framework. So let's go old school again with Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. AIDA, right? Again, if you haven't watched the movie, don't watch the movie. It's a depressing ass movie. But um, but in there, ten minutes are worth it though. The eight Alec Alec Baldwin's eight minutes are the best eight minutes of his entire career. And he says ABC, but he also talks about AIDA. Now that I looked it up, eighteen ninety eight, a guy by the name of Saint Elmo Lewis came up with this as a fundamental structure of sales: attention, interest, desire, action. Right. First, some things to get our attention. Then we have to be interested. Then we have to have a desire. Then we have to move to act. So let's talk about an email or a phone call. You have to think about a phone call in a structured way because what you're doing on a cold call is you're not selling, okay? You shouldn't be selling on a cold call. Well, I'll take that back. You shouldn't be selling your solution. You shouldn't be selling your, pro- your, your product. What you should be selling is time is the next step. So for instance, the first five seconds, literally how you say hello dictates the next 30 seconds, right? So mine, unfortunately, used to be, hey, Jeff, how you doing today? It's like, shut up. What do you oh, want, right? So- so instead, I'm trying to sell that next step. And then in those 30 seconds, I'm trying to sell an extra two minutes where we can maybe have a conversation. I can ask you a question. And in those two minutes, I'm trying to sell a discovery call effectively, right? So That's by that, true. you can start to section out each piece. Intros. One of the things I always talk about is, you know, if somebody asked me, John, if you could go back and tell your 22-year-old self something, what would it be? My number one answer to that was A-B split test everything you do. Literally, A-B split test everything. So say you're making cold calls and you're calling into CIOs in healthcare, come up with two different approaches, make 20 phone calls with this approach, 20 phone calls with that approach, right? Emails. If you got one email, 50 people all fit a similar profile, fine. Break it up 25, 25 and tweak the subject line, right? Introductions. How you introduce yourself. There's plenty of them out there. Google, sales, cold calling intros, right? One of them is, uh, which I don't mind here, which is, hey, Jeff, can I get 30 seconds to tell you why I'm calling before you hang up on me? Like, and, and whether you say your name first or not, I could say, hey, Jeff, this is John Barrows of JB Sales. Can I get 30 seconds to tell you why I'm calling before you hang up on me? Knowing that you want to hang up on me, but I just want 30 seconds. And with that approach, I usually get, well, yeah, you know, fine, what, right? So sure. in the morning, for instance, every call I make, I'm going to say, hey, Jeff, can I get 30 seconds to tell you why I'm calling before you hang up on me? 
And then the afternoon, I'm going to try a different one. Um, and I'm not saying I love this one, but here's just an example. Hey, Jeff, this is John Barrows with Sell Better by JB Sales. Are you familiar with this? Right? I do that too. <laughs> whether it's a good one or a bad one, I don't know. And whether it fits your style or mine, I don't know. But I'm going to do 50 dials with this approach, with this intro, and I'm just going to track, did that intro get me into the conversation better than the other one did? So now that I have my intro, now what's the reason for my call? So, hey, Jeff, can I get 30 seconds to tell you I'm calling before you hang up on me? Fine. Who, what do you want? Well, thanks so much, Jeff. Real quick, the reason for my call is... I was on your website and I noticed you're doing some really cool stuff. And I was wondering if we could have this conversation da, 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 because this is what our solution does call to action. And I was just wondering, Jeff, what's the best way to get, you know, 15, 30 minutes on your calendar to have that conversation. I don't even want it now, by the way. I don't I, like, cause, cause if you pick up a call, you're most, you're, you're almost definitely not ready for this conversation. And I'm definitely not ready for this conversation. I'm probably just humming through my list and, you know, getting hung up on whatever it is. And all of a sudden you picked up and I was like, oh, so I'm not prepared to have this conversation. I'd much rather schedule it at a later date, but you've got to be prepared to have that conversation, <laughs> which is say. why, which is why, and this is important when making cold calls, I think sprinkling phone calls throughout the day is a drastic waste of time. I really do. You can't gain any momentum that way. You can't learn anything that way and whatever. So we do power hours, right? Power hour, but the problem, you know, so you're all calling it out. The problem with power hours, most people, they'll just get their list and they'll just start calling down their list. And people's lists are usually all over the place. And I don't know about you, Jeff, I am not bright enough to have a relevant, good, thoughtful conversation with a VP of sales in the SaaS industry, a director of marketing in the manufacturing industry, a CEO in the healthcare industry. With me calling anybody and everybody in my database, I have to be generic. I have to say, Jeff, tell me about your business. Tell me about your priorities. I have to give you my generic elevator pitch. But if I hyper-focus for that hour on a singular persona or a singular group that all have a similar profile, and I can come up with a message that is relevant to them, two or three questions that are relevant to them, and maybe even a story or a case study that is relevant to them. Now, when you say go to work, yeah, well, you know, when I say, hey, and I was just wondering, what's the best way to get 10 to 15 minutes? And you say, well, you caught me now, kid. What do you want? I say, all right, well, Jeff, Sailor upfront contract here. Jeff, thank you so much. I, I know you weren't expecting my call. I'm going to be real brief here. I got about like three or four quick questions I need to ask you about your current situation. After that, I'll tell you the components of my solution that I think make, might make a difference. And from there, you can tell me whether it makes sense to take the next step or not. Is that okay? It's perfect. Sure. Question, 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 question. Tailored value proposition because it's relevant based on your role. Close. Yeah. In my professional opinion, the next thing we should do is let's set up a meeting or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yep. What about um, any thoughts on getting past the gatekeeper, you know, uh, yep. that, that's a huge challenge for most salespeople. Have a reason. Same thing. Have a reason. If you're calling, like, don't try to get through gatekeepers. They've heard every trick on the planet and don't try to diminish you or them by trying it. It's, it's insulting for you to try to trick them to get through. They are usually, and by the way, let's, let's section out what gatekeepers are. Um, there's executive assistants, and then there's frontline secretaries or whatever they're called these days, okay? The frontline secretary who doesn't have a lot of context, okay, that's one thing, right? You just maybe call early, call late, whatever it is. But executive assistants, when I get a legit executive assistant, I stop everything that I'm doing and I focus all my effort on them because they are the keys to the castle. But the key is having a reason. Because if I'm calling, hey, can I talk to Jeff? Why? Well, because uh, Jay Barrow Sales Training is the leading provider of sales training. We work with Fortune 500 companies to guarantee the results you're looking for at every stage of the sales process. And I was hoping that Jeff could talk to you about you know, that type of thing. No. You, no uh, yeah, why don't you uh, send us an email and I'll forward it over to Jeff. And if he's interested, he'll get back to you, right? 
so say it's say the assistant is Jim and the executive is Sarah. Hi, is Sarah there? Um, Jim says, uh, no, she's in a meeting. Can I put you through to her voicemail? Or, or, well, who's calling? Well, this is John Barrows with Sell Better by JB Sales. And actually, you know what? Maybe, maybe you can help me. Do, do you have a couple of moments? So I, like, I love the word help with, with gatekeepers because they're in those positions because they'd like to help. So, you know, maybe, Jim, maybe you can help me. Do you have a moment? You ask for permission to, for a little time. Uh, you say, yeah, sure. What can I help you with? Well, you know, the reason I was actually calling Sarah is because I was on her website and, and she actually, I saw her quote recently in CRN magazine where, where she talked about how, kind of next year and how she needs to double down on her efforts to retain customer base and increase and reduce churn and those type of things. And we actually have a solution that aligns with that because we've worked with a lot of companies who had that priority. And I was just wondering, what's the best way to get 10 to 15 minutes on Sarah's calendar to have that conversation? Or that's the personalized part. Hey, is Sarah there? Um, uh, I, I don't know who's calling. Well, this is John with JB Sales. And, and you know what? Maybe you could help me. Do you have a moment? Uh, yeah. What, what was your name? Oh, it's it's Jim. Oh, hey, Jim. Look, the reason I'm calling, my name is John Barrows with, with Sell Better by JB Sales. And the reason I'm calling Sarah is because we're working with a lot of other VPs of sales right now who are just freaking out that their reps are just sitting at home, not motivated, not engaged. And, and we're actually, our training aligns with it because it gives them some techniques to drive some results and have some fun. And we can really increase that engagement for your team. And I was just wondering, what's the best way to get some time on Sarah's calendar to have that conversation? That having a reason, I'm not saying it gets you through every time, obviously, but it sure as hell gets you into a conversation with the, with the with a gatekeeper who then is like, ooh, maybe there is something here that I because it is not. And I think this is another mentality that people have to understand with gatekeepers. Gatekeepers, it's not their job to keep us out. That's not their job. If it was, it, they'd be called wall keepers. They are called gatekeepers for a reason. Gates are meant to be open. Their job is to filter the information that gets to these people. And if they let's put it this way, Jeff. If you're calling into a, a, a VP of sales who has missed their quota three quarters in a row, okay, and has no idea, and their team is, you know, their top reps are leaving, they're not feeling like they're invested in other, and that gatekeeper doesn't put you through, is that gatekeeper doing their job? No. No. But we're not doing our job either because we're not giving them a good enough reason to put us through. Got it. Perfect. Um at this time of year, I'm sure that like me, you probably get a lot of calls from people who are freaking out because they see we've got six weeks left to the end of the year and they're not going to hit quota. Uh, deals do seem for most, uh, many, if not most salespeople to be taking longer than ever. What, what can we do to create urgency in a sale, especially mm -hmm. now towards the end of the year? You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Sorry, everybody. I get this question literally almost every day. John, how do you create urgency? You cannot as a sales rep. Okay, you can manufacture it, right, with discounting and that type of thing, but that's just sad. And by the way, the saddest thing I'll ever see and I ever think, I think the worst thing in sales is proactive discounting. I think proactive discounting is one of those pathetic things that we have that we do in sales. You know, Jeff, you and I have a really good relationship, right? Everything's good. And you're probably going to buy next month or whatever it is. But then my boss comes knocking on my door and says, hey, we, we're going to be a little short. You think you can push this one over the edge if we give a 20% discount? And I send you that email at the end of this month. And I say, hey, Jeff, I know you said you're probably going to close in the next couple of weeks here. But um, if you close today, I'll give you that 20%. You just went from thought leader, uh, consultative, you know, blah, 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 to douchey sales rep. You lost all your credibility. And now, by the way, um, if you gave me a 20% discount without me even asking, 
what am I going to get if I ask? So you just put yourself like, and that's just, that's not even me taking advantage of you. That's you allowing me to take advantage of you. And I'm inherently going to do it because it's human nature. Okay. So you can manufacture discounting if you want to. Um, I think that's pathetic, but here's what you can do. You can uncover and you can drive urgency. You can't create it. And how do you uncover it and drive it? Align it with priorities. As a, you and I both know, you, you know exactly what your goals are between now and the end of the year. You know exactly what your goals are for next year, okay? There's not a shot in hell a sales rep is going to call either you and I as, as owners of our own companies and change our priorities. It's not going to happen. So, oh yeah, all that stuff I did with my team and strategizing and all that other stuff. Oh, wow, that email. Wow, that, that looks fantastic. Let me dump all that stuff and do what you're telling me to do now. That, that sounds like, there's no way that's going to happen. So what you have to do, what I don't see though, what I don't see is how your solution is going to help me get to my priorities better, faster, cheaper, whatever it is. That's our job is to figure out how to align that. And so that's why we have to go in and we have to, and look, I've always fundamentally understood that when your CEO stands up at the beginning of the year and says, these are the three things that we got to do to be successful this year. If I can't tie my solution to one or two of those, good luck selling anything of significance. Okay. But unfortunately for the majority of my career, the way I used to get there was by saying dumb stuff, like tell me about your priorities. You know what I mean? And by saying we'll something, keeps you, up at night. You know, what keeps you up at night, you know, what my answer to that is these days, my daughter, next question, shut up. <laughs> um, but now, you know, when you ask, and when you say a general statement like that, or make a general question like that, you usually get very general answers. But if you can be relevant, by doing a little bit of homework and asking contextualized questions that show curiosity. Now, all of a sudden, hey, Jeff, you know, we're typically dealing with CEOs in the sales training industry, and they're telling us that walking into 2023, the top priorities are X, Y, and Z. Are those yours? Even if they're not, the fact that you, I showed, I know your world a little bit tends to open up the conversation because you usually get a yes and or a no but. And when you dig about what the real priorities are and then you find out what those priorities are and you know there's impact if they do not address them. And there's another one for you. Impact, impact, impact. What is the impact of this decision or not making this decision? We have to get better at discovery if we want to create, if we want to drive urgency. So for instance, we're all really good at timeline selling, right? Hey, Jeff, when do you want to launch this? Oh, we want to go live January 1st. And then we do the reverse sale, right? Well, if you want live January 1st, then it takes two weeks to go through paperwork. It's about two weeks for onboarding, blah, blah, blah. So if you really want it live January 1st, we got to sign this week, right? I mean, that's we, we're all good at that. But I beg people to add another question to that, which is, hey, Jeff, just out of curiosity, what happens if you don't go live on January 1st? What's the impact to your business if we don't go live on January 1st? And because the, the answer to that, there's only two real answers to that. One is a real answer. Like, well, if we're going to miss, and by the way, it's not because we're going to miss the discount or we're going to just have to stuck with our existing vendor. That's not impact. What's the impact of them sticking with their existing vendor, right? So there's real answer to that. Or the answer is, well, you know, we'll just probably just keep doing what we're doing. And if you get that, either A, you are not talking to the right person or B, I would not put that on my forecast. So you have to find impact. You have to be great at discovery. You have to find that. And then, and my final point on this is somebody asked me, John, how hard can you push? Say it comes to the end of the month, end of the quarter, end of the year, and we got to get our quota, right? How hard can you push to get a deal done? The answer to that question, it is in direct proportion to how much it is in their best interest versus your best interest. If it is in their best interest, because there is real impact if they don't do this, then you can and you should push as hard as you want. Go over their head, stuff it down their throat because it's in their best interest. 
If it's in your best interest, because you got to close the end of the month, end of the quarter, end of the year, you're just a jackass sales rep. Good luck. Yep. And you absolutely do not have a full pipeline, which is why you're doing that in the first place. And yep. I'm guessing that like me, you enjoy watching other people sell. I, uh, I, I, I weep sometimes for how terrible salespeople are. And you just mentioned the, uh, the, uh, you know, well, if you buy today, I can offer you a discount. Uh, one of the ser services I offer is outsourced sales management. I'm actually managing three sales organizations right now. We recently brought, uh, I'm not going to mention the company because I don't want to embarrass them, but it's yeah. a company that you mentioned earlier in our conversation. We were looking at th their uh, solution and uh, one of my reps had been talking to their rep about us buying it. And I said, okay, get me on a call with the guy. And Jeff, if we can do this today, I can offer you X. I'm like, oh, dude. Do me a favor, please don't 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 say that. Just no. don't do that because I'm actually a sales trainer, and, and I know I know for a fact that if I call you next week or next month or next quarter, you're still going to offer me the discount. No, Jeff, we don't do that. We only did offer discounts in June and December. I said, okay, then I'll wait till December. Right. But I know if I call you next month, and by the way, this rep sent me an email every single month. If you do it today, I can do it. Exactly. And then when I was finally ready, I called him up. I said. What's the discount if I do it today? And of course, he came up with a discount. And I then got a better discount. That every every rep says that. every Oh, no, the discount expires. Shut up. What, did your profitability change over the weekend? No, yeah. no, it didn't. Like, and, and to your point, okay, fine. If you're not going to give me that discount, I'll just wait till the end of next quarter. I'll make it hurt even more. And that's, by the way, lazy-ass sales reps who are using pricing because they don't know how to sell. They don't know how to qualify. They don't know how to add value. Because, Jeff, if you and I back to your question, like if you and I say, you know, $1,000 versus $800, like, come on, man. Like the, <clears throat> if I've done my job, you know what I mean? Like, like the, the values there. And I know there's impact to that decision. So if you don't do it, okay. And if I have a good pipeline, whatever, like you know, whether you do it now or not, I know the value of what this thing is. And I know it's going to solve that problem for you. So no, I'm not going to give you a discount because the ROI on what I'm bringing to you is 15, 20, 30 X of what we talked about. And I know you have that problem. So sign the contract. And by the way, if you want to go with a, sh a cheaper provider, go for it. I actually refer them to some of my competitors who I highly okay. respect, who do a great job. But I know that a couple of them, they work way less expensively than me. And they're lovely people. And All I'm friends with friendly competitors. And Same I'm happy to give out their number. But yep. here's what I know. Nobody is looking for the cheapest sales training, the cheapest sales coach. What they're looking for, because I'm a fairly reasonably smart guy, a fairly re I'm a reasonably smart guy. They're looking for the best they can possibly get that mm -hmm. are going to make a difference to their organization at a price that they feel is reasonable yeah. and that they can actually afford. It's yeah. almost, you know, th there are certainly people who will cut you off at the knees for a nickel, but it's not most. They're looking for, why, why, why doesn't everybody drive a $500 Honda Accord from 1980? They run forever. They're great cars yeah. well, because some people see the value in a 90,000 Mercedes and that's most. Well, and they, and those are, those aren't your customers anyways. That's exactly I, I right. Think that's, I think that's the other thing. It's like people need to give up on the fact that not everybody is a, is good for our services. Not everybody's going to be a good client. And my opinion is if you're a pain in the ass through the sales process, you're going to be a pain in the ass as a customer. So like there are times where like, even if I know I could close it, but if the, if the client is just a wicked pain in the ass all the way through, or they're like treating my team as like, you know, second citizen, second class citizens, you know, I got trainers who might go and then they'll bring me in and they'll be like, Oh, great. I'm talking to the CEO and you know, that person, they kind of shit all over that person. Nope. See you later. I have, I have no, Oh, John, I'm about to sign a $60,000 contract, man. You know, have you come in and do all our training? I go, no. Nah. 
first of all, A, you've been a pain. B, you've treated my employees like shit. Um, so I see. So therefore, based on that, I have zero interest in working with you. Uh, oh, and by the way, I got a big fat pipeline here, so it doesn't matter. And they'll be like, oh, come on, man. I'm like, nope, thank you very much. Have a good day. Go talk to somebody else. A hundred percent. Part of my ideal client profile is they're fun to work with. Yes. If you're not going to be fun to work with, I don't, I don't need your business because nope. I've got a full pipeline at all times. Nope. And I'm too old and cranky to be dealing with anybody's BS. I'm yes, just exactly. not willing to anymore. Hey, yeah. I, I've got like 75 more questions for you, but <laughs> unfortunately we're out of time. I'm yeah. hoping that you'll come back at some other time. Absolutely, happy to. In the meantime, if anybody's interested in working with you, John, I'm sharing my screen right now. How do they yeah. reach you? Yeah, thank, appreciate it. Um, so you can connect with me a bunch of different ways. LinkedIn, um, I can't get connected on LinkedIn, unfortunately. I've hit that arbitrary 30,000 limit as far as connections are concerned, but you can follow me. Um, but the you, if you want some free content, sellbetter.xyz. We do a daily show. Uh, you sign up for our newsletter. We do a daily live show. Also, we have our YouTube channel, sellbetter.xyz. That's where you get a ton of free content. And then if you're looking for anything from me, um, go to uh, Instagram is actually the fastest way to get in touch with me. So my handle is John M. Barrows. Um, that's John M as in Michael, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. And I answer all questions on Instagram. So if you want to DM me there, I'll get back to you almost immediately and give you whatever tip or tool or technique I have. And is there a phone number for your company that you'd like to give out or no? No, it's the, the, the email is definitely better. We don't even have, I don't think, I, I don't even think we have a phone number for our company. <laughs> um, so uh, email or social is, is way better. And then we can set up a call if anybody has a, if anybody wants to chat. We're in the future. Well, John, this has been a great conversation. I really do have like 75 more questions I'd like to ask you, but you are out of time. Thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with us generally, generously. And I'll end this as I end every one of these broadcasts. Please, guys, remember that sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. I know. I saw it. I saw the T-shirt. JB, make it happen. Make it happen, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks again, John. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Jeff.